All right, this morning it's been interesting for me as we uh, have sort of flowed through everything, how often that whole thing of God's love has come up and, you know, when Mitch was reading from First uh, John chapter 4, he started talking about, you know, this love of God, you know, that, that we know how much God loved us because he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us, right? Well, further on as that keeps going on, it talks about, you know, loving one another and if if we are Christians, then we ought to also love one another, brothers and sisters loving one another, the same way that God loved us, that somehow this love of God should be transferred into us as Christians, and we should love the same way. What was so interesting to me is I'm just going to be reading from, you know, actually the verse that was displayed in that Not A Fan little clip there, John 3, today, and we will be reading 16, but we'll be starting a little bit earlier than that. But this whole thing of of love, um, how has it worked out in a community of the church is what I just wanted to talk about a little bit today, just a a little glimpse. And I think what was prompting me is that, honestly, um, you know, I've been talking a little bit about, you know, the complexity of Christian walk sometimes for us, that we, we get caught in this mode of how complex our Christian walk should be. You know, the deep things of this thing, that thing, and then it can even move over into that whole thing of, you know, we have to have almost like a corporate-like zeal to, to plan and grow and overtake the world as though we're, we're, we're selling Jesus as a commodity to the world. And the more people we can get buying into that commodity, the better our business plan that somehow that this is the pinnacle that we just grow, grow, grow. And, you know, many, many uh, months ago, I, I showed you something called the... Uh, um, sorry, <laughs> sorry, the... Uh, well, basically, it's this, the invitation and challenge matrix. And what we, we seem to do is make our Christianity sometimes just this big challenge thing, you know, like... We've got to challenge, we've got to grow, we've got to do this, we've got to do that, we've got to make things happen, you know, we've somehow got to make the Spirit of God move on the world and, and we're going to do this and we make it all about what we're doing rather than being invited into that relationship with God, the relationship with other people and so what we get is this whole lot of burnt out Christians. Yeah, this is just exhausting being a Christian. It's not, not what I thought it should be, it's not fun, it's not, you know, the way that, you know, I felt like God was, was saying to me that he loved the world so much and, and there's this love relationship that should be between people. I was thinking back about my church experience as a young kid and, and many of you older people will probably know this but um, or have felt this, that the church community seemed to be very integrated in, in terms of like we had lives that we lived together. Yes, we lived, you know, our separate lives, but there's this whole lot more connectivity that was happening. Now, I don't know what's changed. I know that the, uh, the internet and social media has definitely changed things. I heard something shocking the other day um, that was to do with America, just as I was listening to a podcast, and they're saying that 30% of Americans say they do not have a friend. Does that shock you? 30%, one in three people would say, I don't have a friend. And it could be here. You know, and, and part of that challenge was this, that, that people are spending so much time building the shallow relationships that they, they make on Instagram and Facebook and that. People they've met once at a party and now they're friends. And so they're sitting down and on average two hours a day on Instagram, creating all these links, friendships, 
with people. Is there anything wrong with connecting that way? Of course not. But what they were saying was there seems to be this disconnect that, that our friendships, our true friendships, are going by the wayside. In other words, there's no investment in relationship, that, 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 that people are, are investing in the wrong type of relationship, the wrong type of friendship. And, and I think even in church I've seen that over the years where it's become very much about, you know, the what are we doings? What's our next program? What's the, what's the next big thing we can do? What's the next big push we can have? Whereas I really honestly believe God is saying, why don't you just make it simple and just love people and love God? Now, how, how attractive is that in terms of growth? When, and we're going to look at our, uh, our mission statement or our uh, purpose statement of the church in a minute too, which sort of highlights this. But I remember as a kid, you'd be going along to, to different Christian events and it was like not based around how everyone felt, even around how your kids felt. I remember mum and dad going to stuff and guess what we took with us? Our blankets and our pillows. So kids, go to sleep on the floor. This is really important, this, this, uh, this gathering together. It's so important that I want you to come, let's enjoy time together. But you know what, kids, you can actually go to sleep on the floor, that's okay. We're here for a purpose. Whereas there seems to be this abandonment of that type of thing nowadays, whereas everything's really inconvenient, especially our faith. It's really inconvenient, my faith. You know, you've got this on this. Well, I've got lots to do. You know, I don't really have time for that, but I took my kids to seven sports this week. But I really don't have time for church. I really don't have time to gather together with my Christian friends in a connect group. I don't have time to meet with my friends outside of that and, and meet, meet and talk about and discuss and live and love as Jesus wanted me to. You know, the, the, the purpose of my life is now self-fulfillment to take on the joy of loving myself and maybe my family, but not my family, that, that somehow this is lost. And so many times, and then as Christians, it's like we'll take on that and we'll go, yeah, but the church hasn't loved me. But oftentimes it's because we've never formed any relationship within the church that is deeper than a passing hello. You know, hello. Hi, I'm a Christian. You're a Christian? Great. But we're expecting almost like a loving family to be evolving from without a loving marriage, if you understand what I'm saying. You know, it's like we're saying, hey guys, we want love to be here. We want to, you know, when I'm actually in trouble, no one loved me. But at the same time, I never connected with anyone. But I'm expecting this deeper friendship from a shallow relationship. That somehow, because God says that you must love me, you must love me exactly how I want you to love me without any investment from me into this relationship. It sounds sort of harsh, I guess, in a way, but I just want us to think about that. Because the thing is that without us investing in, we cannot expect to withdraw from. There will be certain levels of love that we walk in. We understand that love doesn't, is not equal. Do we understand love's not equal? Like, I love you guys, but I don't have a deep relationship with all of you. So I might just say hello to you. I might be pleasant to you. If you're really in trouble and I see you on the side of the road, I'll definitely help you. But in terms of me knowing about your life and the hurts, the, the things that have touched your heart deeply, the things that have harmed you deeply, I'm not in that space. 
Sometimes I'm not even in the space that I know that you're in hospital and I can visit you, yet sometimes we have this expectation that everyone else in the church should know everything about me and somehow do stuff for me, to love me well, the way that I expect to be loved. Now, why am I speaking about this like this? Is because I want our church to have a different heartbeat. You see, I don't feel guilty at all if you have a relationship with other people in a connect group. Say, for example, you get sick and I don't know about it, but 10 people from your connect group have visited you because you've formed a deeper relationship with them. Is it true that we should love you anyway? Of course. If people know, the heart's often moved, you know, like, I don't really know you, but hey, man, let me make you a meal, let me do something for you. Of course, that, that, that should happen. But do you understand that really... Deep relationship is where deep love flows, where you will get the most out of love. Think about the prodigal son. The prodigal son is a story in the Bible where the son basically takes his inheritance, walks out on his father, walks to a foreign land, spends it all on women, wine and song, ends up in a pig pen and wants to come back to his father. He, he eventually comes back saying, I'll be a servant, comes back, he's received as a son and gets every blessing that a son should have. I want to ask you this, did the father love the son more when he was home before he left? Did the father love the son more when he was in a foreign land than when he was at home? Did the father love his son more when he was in the pig pen or when he was in the house? The answer, of course, is he loved him exactly the same the whole time. Wouldn't you say that's true? In fact, we know that's true. Probably his heart was even more breaking because he was standing, looking out, waiting for his son's return. Yet we know that during that time when the son was separated from the father, how much love could flow from the father to the son? Nothing. How are we expecting love to flow without relationship? How are we expecting the deep love of God to actually be manifest in our life, in our church, without relationship, where we, where we consider it a shallow thing? It's almost like I'm drawing away, but I expect you to love me as if I was living at home in close relationship with you. You can't, right? Does that make sense? And the reason I, I'm saying this is because I do think that we need to be so careful that we've got kids that are growing up without the godly relationships between mum and dad and other Christians and the family of God that they should be seeing and knowing and experiencing, that it's not just a, you know, this, this, this is my parents' world, this is the kids' world, my parents never really make God, the church community, their priority, they make these other people and and part of that is that we look and we we look at the world and we're like you know we need to reach out we need to reach out we need to get people saved we need to make sure we're connecting with all these people yet we're not connecting with the church family it does not make any sense at all so let's read our john 3 uh, passage now once it comes up No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. 
And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. What's so important about this? What was the motivator for God the Father? Love. Love motivated him to send Jesus. In other words, this has to be at the core of who we are as Christians as well. God didn't send the Son in the world to judge it, but so the world could be saved through him. The motivation here was love. Why did God send his Son? He was motivated by love. Why do we help, care for, consider other people because we're motivated by what? Love. This is so important that we understand that because if we do not walk in love, if we don't know the love of the Father, how can we possibly live out the Christian life? Honestly, When I do something out of love for someone else, it is not something that I have to do. It's not something that is forced upon me. There's this compulsion, even if it's not convenient, that I am going to love someone else. I'm going to do something for them because I love them. It's motivated by love, right? How important is it to get into our hearts? So let's look at our uh, statement for the church here. So if you have been at Cornerstone, you may have heard this, but this is something that we agonise over for quite a while. What is our purpose in this world? To share God's message of life, tick, you know, the Great Commission, leading people into God's family, teaching them to grow in faith and love, equipping them to share his message wherever they are. So here's what I was wondering about. Have we lost love for the house of God in our hearts. Because it's great to share God's message of life, isn't it? You know, God loves you and God sent Jesus to die for you and that's really awesome. Um, But what are we going to bring people into? Are we bringing them into a dysfunctional family? Are we bringing them into a loving family where they they come in they're like wow these guys serve one another they love one another they genuinely care for one another you see that message of life of jesus dying for us is great but the fullness of what god has for us is lived out through great relationships right the relationships the deep-hearted connection that we have with one another the deep care that we have for one another and and this is something that i think has been a little bit lost as we as we've been walked down this road of you know bigger better stronger whatever it might be churches you know we must have this amazing great vision to grow seven churches and 20 campuses and that's what is exciting god but at the same time we'll get people saved they come in and what are they experiencing Are they walking into God's family? Are they walking into a people that that, that they will walk amongst and go, wow, you guys are awesome. 
I can see there's something really different here. And I think sometimes our mind has been so turned away from being present with the people that we're with and loving them well. And in fact, the Bible says so many times that do good, especially to those of the household of faith. In other words, there's this priority to be put on our loving Christian brothers and sisters over others. Oh, that's not really good, is it? Are we meant to love everyone the same? Perhaps. But the priority from God's point of view is that we love our family deeply first. How can we possibly bring anyone else into a family that's not loving? What is the point even of doing that? What is the point of us not walking people from hearing that good news of life into this family, but we want to teach them to grow in these things at Cornerstone, faith and love? Maybe you should have put hope in there and complete that love chapter of, of the Bible. You know, it says, faith, hope and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. And, and teaching people to walk in love is not teaching them, hey guys, come and sit in a classroom. We're going to teach you the theory of loving people, loving people this way. This is how you do it. Let's go through all the theory and, and we'll work out the process and the, this is what it looks like. No, love can't be that. Love has to be lived out to be active, doesn't it? You don't teach people love through theory. You teach people love through relationship, care, and genuine concern for them. Is that not true? And so really when we think about the Great Commission and making disciples, teaching them to do all that Jesus commanded, I, I remember the only thing I actually remember Jesus commanding although I know there's lots of things Jesus said we should do do you, do you remember what it is this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you by this shall all the world know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another and this is the measurement that God puts on our discipleship your discipleship is not based on knowledge according to God. How will the world know that we are his disciples? By the love that we have for one another. This is the significant truth that we need to understand, that, that the measurement of your discipleship is not measured in your knowledge of the Scripture, although that is an amazing and wonderful thing to have. It's not even measured by the amount of time you spend praying it's measured by the amount of love that you have towards brothers and sisters in Christ. Wow. <laughs> so if you're to say, yeah, I'm an amazing disciple, and, and it's a little bit like that rich young ruler that came to Jesus and he said, you know what, I'm great. From the moment I was born, I've learned the commandments, I've obeyed them all my life, and Jesus said, well, have you... You know, honoured your mother and father, yeah, done that. Have you, yep, yep, done, tick, 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 tick. Um, and he said, this one thing I'm asking of you, now remember, this isn't of everyone, this is of this person in particular, because he never asked it of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus did it from his own heart. He said, I want you to sell everything you have and give it to the poor, follow me. Can't do that. Point being this, that guy had great Bible knowledge. He was obedient. But there's something in his heart that stopped him actually living out that love. And for him, it was money. 
Love is a measurement of your discipleship. Love is how not only God can measure it, but who else measures it that way? The world will know you're my disciples. The world, the people outside of the church, will know that you follow Jesus Christ because of the amazing events you have. No. (laughs) Because of the love that you have for one another. That is the measurement that the world is looking at as well because you know what? If 30% of people need a friend... Perhaps they can find it in a place of faith where people genuinely care and love one another. But let's have a look at at my next slide, please. So I've just put there, love is a fuel for the engine that drives our action. In other words, for us as Christians, it should be fueled by love. And it is, isn't it? How much more do you do for people that you love than people you don't love? There's something special about love that fills our heart in a way a desire to actually please and care for and love. Love is lived out in community through relationships and received when it's entered into. Again, even if you think of God, the the triune God, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, God is love, but love needs an object. That's why the Trinity makes perfect sense. This this God, the three in one, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit living in a relationship of love without an object to love. Love can never be realised and that's sort of too there through relationship. We know it's through relationship and it's received when it's entered into. You see, I could tell my wife that I loved her and, and mean it, be genuine about it, just like God says to the whole world, I love you so much I sent Jesus to die for you. We know that he loves the world so much that he says it's not his will that anyone should perish, but that everyone should have everlasting life. We know all don't receive that, but is it, is it available to everyone, eternal salvation? Absolutely, 100%. We read it this morning. Mitch talked about it. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord, you shall be saved. But we don't want it to just be saved like we were talking last week. We want to live this out in our life, the love flowing. And, and I can tell my wife, I love you, I love you, I love you. But if she never believes it, guess how much of my love she receives? Zero. Not a bit. Whoever's in your life, your kids, you can tell them you love them until the cows come home. But if they don't believe it, they don't receive it. And for you, if you are not a Christian today, let me tell you this, that the only way to know the love of God is open yourself up to believe that fact. God proved it. How did he prove it? He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you so that you might be saved. It's been proven, and he's saying, just enter into it today. Love flows from the Father, obviously God our Father, he is love. So we must always remember that we cannot love perfectly without the love of God in us, right? We're not going to look to human love or whatever love we have, but to learn the heart of the Father towards us. Until we understand that love, we can't love properly. So it is so important that we build up our faith. We, we learn more and more about who God is and we receive that love. And just the last one there, love covers a multitude of sins. Just a few little things about love. 
Because it is important to understand that we live in community as a church. And there will be times when you are offended. There will be times when you're offended and it's actually just and right that you be offended. doesn't mean it doesn't deal with sin or things like that, but what it means is that love somehow allows community to flow because it doesn't take offence at every little thing. Love knows that each one of us is flawed. Love knows that each one of us at times will act out of character. Love knows that sometimes that other person will say the wrong thing and I'm not going to hold it against them. The blood of Jesus Christ washed away our sin. We got rid of it out of our life, but we know that we still do the wrong thing sometimes. But God's grace covers, continually covers, washes away our sin. So I just want us to think really, really deeply this morning about your love for the house of God. And I don't mean the building of God. I mean the place we come together. I don't mean just about the place we come together. I mean about the people that are there. And I'll ask you this question. How are you building love in this place? How are you building relationships? Because sometimes it's hard. Like I said, people are busy. They don't want to relate sometimes. You don't want to relate sometimes. I don't want to relate sometimes. But there's this call from God, the Heavenly Father, that open up our hearts and open up our homes to one another. That's one of the things that you look at with the early church. It says they met every day in the temple and at each other's houses. (laughs) Sorry, homes, houses. But I really have noticed that over the years, the doors to many houses are becoming closed. Isn't it horrible that home has turned from a place of celebration and invitation into a place where I can escape and that it become a sanctuary? Don't you think that's actually a terrible thing? Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name for your goodness. I thank you, Lord God, that your heart was towards us in your Son, Jesus Christ. That you showed us how to love through the way you acted towards us. I pray, God, that we would love the same way. Lord, as a church, Father, our mission is to bring people into God's family. But, Lord, we need to build that to make sure that it is godly, Lord God. A place where we expect good behaviour where we expect change and transformation, a place where we can expect to be cared for, a place where we can expect love to flow. Give us the strength to do that today, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Now, it may be this morning that you're here and you've never actually given your heart to Jesus Christ. You haven't known that love of God. I just want to ask, if you'd love to pray with me right now and just ask him into your life, into, into your life and say, come, come into my life. And more importantly, that you enter into his. 
If that's you this morning, you just want to pray with me, we're just going to invite him in so that you can become a Christian this morning. Let's pray, guys. If that's you, just pray with me. Father God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that he died for me. And this morning, I just want to receive your love. I want to know what it feels like to be loved by you. Father, today, forgive me of my sin. From this day on, I just want to live for you. In Jesus' name, come into my life. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, you make sure you talk with your friend you came with, your family member you came with, or if you just happen to walk through the doors, please come and see me at the front. You can wait till everyone's sung and out there. But you may also want some prayer for yourself. Um, in whatever area, please, at our church, after the service, after, while people are singing, we just allow a space for you to come forward, to get prayed for, for the Holy Spirit to do something in your life. Um, and it may be that you're just thinking, I just need some prayer for whatever it might be. Come up. Let's see what God might do for you this morning in Jesus' name.